We, we have a lot of uh, fun stuff to talk about this week. Big, big uh, Apple News Week. So first thing we're going to discuss, uh, a short update to a story we mentioned last week, which is the um, the LG 5K UltraFine display. Last week we discussed that like the 4K version, it was no longer in stock on Apple's website, which the 4K version was like just altogether pulled, um, the, the page at least. Uh, the, the 5K one, it was out of stock for shipping. And uh, we'd mentioned that since our, our story on how it had – uh, display issues next to Wi-Fi routers. It had never been in in-store stock um, since that was fixed. Uh, well, now it's only in in-store stock, and so it's still sold out <laughs> to order. But for the first time in years, if you want to go into a store and buy one, at least according to the website, I've not actually tried it, but you can go in, in like any Apple store and buy one. So I think they, they've sent out like remaining stock. So that does make me think that they're just trying to like sell out of what they have and and, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be some kind of yeah. Like it's probably not going to be anything dramatically different. You know, just mm-hmm. like the 2019 revision of the, yeah. the ultra fine line. So mystery not solved. It just extended in a different way. So we'll, we'll see how. This, maybe there's some resolution here by the end of the year. We'll see. Um, the the big story this week is uh, on Monday we got iOS 12.3 released, TVOS 12.3, WatchOS 5.2.1, and uh, macOS 10.14.5. Plus the 12.3 update to HomePod. Um, so let's dig into what's new in those. Um, tell me what's new in iOS 12.3, Mayo. Yeah, so the TV app is the main star of the show here. Obviously, it was previewed in the March event, and now it's available after being in beta for a few years. This is uh, for a few months. Uh, this is the TV app that combines uh, iTunes content, apps from partners but those are the ones where you still get you know frog marched out to the other app it just kind of exposes them as recommendations and it combines them into the watch now queue but you don't actually watch inside the app plus now you have the apple tv channels with the capital c which is there's even more special partnerships that apple have made with select providers where you subscribe through apple and you can watch the content inside the tv app itself and when you're watching through apple tv channels the content is hosted and streamed by Apple servers, not by you know HBO or Showtime or whoever's partnering, and that also allows you to like download for offline use. And you you don't the, the, but the main advantage is you can pay through Apple, and you don't actually have to leave the TV experience, which is a lot a lot nicer than the old way, or which is still kind of the current way for everything mm-hmm. that doesn't support Apple TV channels, where you know you it shows you like a shortcut basically, and then you get kicked out to another app to watch it and then you have to find your way back to tv now it can be all in one and obviously in the full one of those apple tv channels will become apple tv plus yeah they'll have a first party channel to which is the whole i guess the biggest reason to have the big revamp but the thing is like the the tv app has been on the apple tv for you know a few years now i guess and it's been on ios the same way with many of the same features like it's got a new design and and i think the new design looks great like even i I prefer the new app icon i like the like blue and green uh like and black color scheme i think it's like tron themed it's kind of i like that um and and then just the app itself looks much more modern than the old version did. Like it looks much, much more designed. So I, I do like the way it looks um, on, on the iPhone. I don't use the TV app much because of the size of the screen, but if you, I guess it's, it's got utility in that you, you know, it's like the source for what you airplay from. 
Um, and then on the iPad, it's, it's where it's, I guess, most useful for me now because you, you do get the offline uh, downloads for, you know, or just streaming for the channel's partners. If you buy movies and TV shows from iTunes, that's where it plays. Like years ago, this was the videos app with a similar color scheme for the icon. And and now it's, you know, gone through two versions to become the, the, the all new Apple TV app. Um, and there's, there was a, a feature that's mentioned in the release notes that I've not, I guess I've not experienced, but, um, what's the airplay intelligence part of this update? Yeah. So they have. And I haven't actually been able to get it to work yet, but <laughs> the I I saw it like a few kind of UI banners during the the betas, and it wasn't really clear what it was supposed to do. But the way they describe it in the release notes is it kind of remembers based on your location, it can remember AirPlay two outputs. So say if you always watch, if you're in the living room and you always watch your TV app on the living room TV, but activated through your iPad, mm. then it's going to intelligently recommend slash do it. Like I think in many, in some cases, it will just automatically connect to your living room TV, assuming nothing else is playing. So like if if and you play never that. play video on your iPhone, I think that's more likely. Is that like you never actually watch a video on your iPhone because of the yeah. size, but you always send it to your TV um, for whatever reason. Then, then it's gonna pick up on that, and and the location isn't just like your home Wi-Fi is your house, but it's proximity to this AirPlay two device, like an Apple TV, supposedly. So because obviously it'd be kind of. Obviously, it'd be kind of bad if you're in your house and you're in the living room and then it started airplaying to the bedroom TV. Yeah, yeah. But because I haven't actually been able to really do this yet, it's hard to say how well it works. And I kind of tweeted, like, this is even going to be really convenient or really annoying. (laughs) We don't really know which... Depending on execution, right? Yeah, it doesn't know which side of the fence it can land. Because, you know, Bluetooth proximity is reliable, but also kind of, you know, iffy because... You could be halfway between the living room and the lounge, for instance, or, you know, in terms of vertical height, you might have the same Bluetooth radio reception to yeah. your bedroom upstairs versus, you know, the living room that's you're standing a few feet away from. So it's never going to be perfect. So it's, I assume that they're, they're going to be conservative in not doing it automatically if you, a lot of the time, stream to multiple TVs. So, so, because I, I assume they're optimizing for the, you know, the probably common case where still, you know, most people have at maximum one Apple TV in their house, mm. right? Like, that's just the reality. So in that case, it was it's going to be more, it's going to have a higher propensity to automatically stream it to the TV when it makes sense. Yeah. But if you're in a multi-Apple TV home, or or now a multiple TV home, which have AirPlay 2 right. built in, like the Samsung TVs, uh, it's going to probably just suggest it before and say, we can see that you want to hear play now instead of you have to like dig in and actually pick the output yourself. Yeah. And, and the Siri commands where you can tell Siri on your iPhone to play like what happens a lot in my home right now is play the Grinch on the living room Apple TV. That that worked before. Uh, I think it works better now. Like I, I saw some people think it was brand new this time, but I've been using that for a long time, even outside of the beta. So I think that was part of 12.2. Yeah, um, that wasn't 12.2 because the whole... HomeKit TV stuff was originally the 12.2 right. era. Even though there weren't HomeKit TVs, yeah, it was at least yeah. that was the, the iOS side of the software to support it. And so I've been using that for a while. And then I've I've done the thing with my LG TV where it is a HomeKit TV. Um, and so it shows up in the Home app as a TV that I can like turn on and off, and I can control volume from Control Center and that kind of thing. But and switch inputs, but I, but it's it's not uh, AirPlay too because like it doesn't have a firmware update on the TV itself to make it a receiver for AirPlay. Um, but when I did the Siri command because of like the workaround with with HomeBridge and, and everything, it thinks that it is a, like an AirPlay two target. I just can't send to it. So Siri would often say, 
which TV, even if it's a living room Apple TV, because it's the TV in the living room, and then there's an Apple TV in the living room attached to that TV. So it was really tricky. But it, it works. For me, it's been working a lot better, uh, where it doesn't ask me. It just it's, it, Maybe it's part of the uh, the intelligence thing, where it doesn't maybe. ask me, it just assumes. Because yeah. I swear, I can never phrase it in a way that it wouldn't say which TV, even though I said Apple TV and one was just TV, <laughs> because they're yeah. both in the living room, it, it would trip up every time. And it's great, because I can... It's like if if the kids are watching, say the Grinch, <laughs> and the Living Room Apple TV all year long, um, it's easy to, you know, like I can play that movie from the Apple TV using the remote to like navigate through the UI and do it. But using it through Siri with AirPlay, um, I I skip all the steps of like finding the remote and navigating on the TV itself. Like wh- where I'm just telling my phone, like wherever in the, in the home I am, as long as I'm on the Wi-Fi network, like it'll work. So I can be like in the office and say, you know, oh, the movie's over, play the Grinch on the living room Apple TV. Um, or if they get, it gets to the credits and like they want to start it over, I can like look at the phone, see and um, like the now playing interface. Oh, it's like the last 10 minutes of the movie where the credits roll. I can move the scrubber back and start it over and everyone's happy. And like, I'm, it's really well integrated for, for yeah. how it all works. So yeah. Uh, and that, and that experience is exactly what Apple wants to deliver to everybody who just has, you know, a TV. That's getting two TV. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And not an Apple TV box. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's yeah. really nice. The, um, the iPad is where I spend the most time in the TV app proper, I guess. And, um, you know, like I, I buy seasons of TV shows on iTunes. Usually if I like, if it's something I watch a lot or, you know, just enjoy watching like multiple seasons of a show, I'll buy like the whole collection. So it's like part of my personal streaming service, I guess. Um, and for that, it's very useful for iTunes movies. It's very useful. Um, I've never spent much time on iOS managing, like, what is it recommending from other services? Um, for the channel stuff, it's, it's pretty good. If you want to pay for those channels, but you know, I'm not so much of a TV buff where I'm going to pay for like Showtime and HBO and Stars and Smithsonian and like whatever else Apple wants to sell you directly through the TV app. But I do acknowledge that it's a better experience that way as long as the prices are competitive. And you already pay for cable, right? So well, I pay for Hulu with yeah. live TV, which is like forty five dollars, fifty dollars a month. So it's it, that, yeah. So you you already have a TV experience. Yeah, and and so for that, like even on the iPad. I've I've got the TV app for what I'm buying from iTunes, um, and then like I I would do like um like a one month uh, subscription of like Showtime to like watch a certain show, and then like once the show's over, then I'll I'm not gonna pay ten dollars all year long, so I'll, I'll do that, which is nice to have that in the TV app without needing to download the Showtime app and have a Showtime account and all that. So that's nice. Um, but also like even on the iPad, I've also got the Hulu app because you can't do the live TV stuff in the TV app. So that's an opportunity. And then for a lot of people, no matter how much you do in the TV app, you're going to have the Netflix app as well because Netflix Mm. isn't part of it. They don't care to be. Um, and so you've got like a lot of stuff in this app and then, and then Netflix is like going to always be its own icon on your home screen for its service. Yeah, in the in the best case, you're going to have at least two apps to go in. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's in the best case, obviously. Yeah, and then maybe you'll have like some Amazon Prime. And one of the things that's nice in the new in the new Apple TV app is they've got a kids section for the first time, which is like it, it's like a high level tab you go to, uh, and it's really nicely like organized, and it's it's content picked from all these different services um, that you can subscribe to or buy like content from iTunes. Um, but but if you happen to have like Amazon Prime for shipping benefits, then you 
then you get access to the Prime Video stuff, and then they're pulling a lot of content from there. So it isn't played in the app because you can't do Amazon Prime channels through the channels feature, um, their Amazon Prime Video through the channels feature. But it is a nice, like for parents, I want to find content, you know, and and uh, it, there's no profiles. <laughs> that's, that's an opportunity as well. But it's it's a it's like a 2.0 version of the TV app with all the same opportunities as the 1.0 with a new way to subscribe to, to content. Yeah, and, I, and nice kids section. So. The interesting in the kids section, Apple said that that entire um, all those categories and stuff are only um, curated by humans. There's yeah. no algorithm. There's no algorithm in the kids tab at all. Mm-hmm. There's there's algorithmic suggestions in like Watch Now and For You and stuff because although. Uh, you're you're meant to have a for you row as one of the little carousels on the yeah. watch now page but i don't think it's like out yet or it's not showing up from most mm. people but yeah. the, the kids tab is completely human controlled there's no computer algorithm at all in, in in there at all which is like a direct stab at youtube when they keep having these problems where kids are seeing stuff they really shouldn't but right the on, kids on... tab does kind of like bait you in a bit though because it's still will happily show you stuff that you don't actually own yet. like Or, or that you need to go and get an app for, because if yeah. it's Prime Video, then it doesn't play in the TV app. And so, yeah. So, the, I mean, it, it, Prime Video is like that too, and it will show you a bunch of stuff that you have access to or that you need to buy. It's like if, if Apple were to mix in like your purchase history with like things you can buy <laughs> and not mm. like clearly distinguish which is which. Um, that's how the I, Prime... I wish there was like a tab that was yeah. just recommendations and suggestions of stuff you own or stuff you can watch yeah, or stuff it would, you subscribe to. I think to. for so many people, it would just be so bare that they don't want to do that. But I, I do agree with you that like if you say you, you, you've got access to a lot of stuff and you don't want to see stuff that you don't have access to, then that would, that would be a cool feature. Yeah, and like thinking ahead, Apple TV Plus in the fall, I'll, subs- I'll probably subscribe to that and probably enjoy some stuff on there, you know, on the optimistic side. Yeah. But I don't really want to like go to my TV and then just see all these like, why don't you buy Showtime? Why don't you it's buy like, this? It's like ad-free advertising i mean yeah, there's no like ad, ads per se but they're all it's all like pay us to see this stuff and it's like in, in apple music there's the library tab right which is mm. just stuff you own and just yeah. stuff you have and you can go in for you and you know find extra stuff to add to your library but even more so on apple music it's not even a problem anyway because you can basically stream anything on apple music yeah it's like whereas, you don't subscribe to different record labels <laughs> yeah whereas the tv situation is so much more fragmented that yeah, it's even uh, i think it's even more required that there should be a tab or like a toggle where you can just say don't show me anything that i don't own that i can't watch yeah um on the apple tv so this is on the um apple tv 4k and apple tv hd so that's the tvos the tall boxes that came out in the last few years and then the apple tv third generation which is the 1080p version of the flatter box uh it, it also gets the new tv app and like a super rare update <laughs> and, and and that model it was always that apple would like do like an over-the-air update and then you'd have like new apps appear on the home screen and you could hide them but you couldn't remove them or add them manually like it was just a hidden list um well now it gets this new update because they want to have as many people as possible be able to subscribe to apple tv plus in the fall and use the new channels feature um so, so it gets the update, but uh, on the TOS boxes, on the, like the 4K and the, and the HD boxes, those, I, I think it's still a, a nice upgrade, like over the old TV app, and it's a little bit closer to justifying making like the default setting be the home, the TV icon goes to the TV app first before it goes to the home screen, unless you change it, because now that you can actually subscribe to Showtime and HBO and Stars and other other channels in the TV app. Yeah. Then it's like you can you're closer to ignoring the home screen and apps and that layer, you know, and just having it be the TV app first and foremost. I think about that as like 
how on the Apple Watch the, the the honeycomb grid or the alphabetized list is not your starting point. It's the watch face, mm-hmm. and it's like the Apple TV wants the TV app to be like the watch face, where it's like what you begin with, and then below that is a layer of like apps and other stuff, you know, so you can access Netflix or your yoga app or your you know, fireplace app, but it isn't like the, the primary experience. The primary experience is like your, your content library. So they're closer to that. But, but again, like, because you can't do the live TV stuff or, or maybe they can, and they just haven't yet, but you can't, there's no like Hulu with live TV inside of the TV app from Apple. Then I'm spending most of my time there. And then, it, you know, if you want to do Netflix is over here too, it's not in the TV app. And coming from the world of like live cable television in the old days like the way it used to be um i kind of want the experience to be my tv terms turns on and the last channel of like live tv that i was watching is what plays and it isn't okay, like yeah, yeah. always streaming in the background like when the tv's off but if the tv's on pick up playback on the hulu with live tv app on the last channel it was on and instead it's like use the home screen of the tv app and then go to the hulu app and then like it's a bad ui so do five swipes and clicks to get to live TV. And then hopefully it's the last channel I was on. Um, but it's like, there, there's so much more capability now, but if you just want to turn the TV on and like channel surf, <laughs> it's way harder than it used to be. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the TV app on the TV OS is much better than the TV app on iOS. Like yeah. the iOS one is a bit, is, the iOS one is basically a port of the Apple TV version in the, like the, a bad way. The TV app on the Apple TV is like a full screen experience with like, rich graphics and everything mm-hmm. and on and you Iowa, can like channel you can like surf between them by like swiping left and right and then yeah. you know flick between shows that's like new in 12.3 or tvs yeah. 12.3 it looks but it's good not like that, a, that that isn't on the ios version at all yeah it looks good like a magazine and on ios it's like white background and that'll look better when there's dark mode and you can like say well i want my tv app to be dark mode <laughs> like a tv app should be um but, you know, and then even on the Mac, like, I get looked, the, the version that they showed coming this fall looked a little bit better just because it was in dark mode. But uh, Yeah, interestingly, the Mac, the one they showed for the Mac looked more like the Apple TV app, not the iPad app, interestingly. Yeah, which is, isn't there reporting from Rambo or Mark that... Yeah, German said the not, TV app is not Marzipan. Yeah, so it, it's a Mac app, you know. Yeah. So, which, I wonder if that means that Marzipan, like, won't have good support for media apps in general if they're doing all these media apps as non-marzipan apps so <laughs> yeah or it might be like the the kind of like data source that powers their presentation of like store content like mm-hmm. tv or music is just not in the marzipan world at the moment yep. so they're just building it around something else like yep. it can still be a bad app but just not you know not made in marzipan like That's don't true. get me wrong so uh, and, and then the offline part of of channels so any movies or tv shows that you access through your subscriptions to the apple tv channels feature is I guess that's not an offline aspect for the Apple TV because you don't control your downloads there. It's all streaming with a mm-hmm. cache in the, you know. So that's, 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 a, that's a difference. I think it, like the, the original Apple TV, which is like this giant box, little, like a Mac mini with a hard drive inside, like that did, you did do downloads. <laughs> yeah, that was the whole premise of it. You, you, you'd sync to the TV, essentially. Yeah. Very weird. And, like, you weren't guaranteed streaming. <laughs> like, YouTube was, like, a brand new invention at the time. It was, like, there's not a YouTube tab. <laughs> um, so, and there were different, like, storage tiers of that. So, um, but... Oh, like, and by the way, the, 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 the Apple TV channels offline does have, like, an asterisk in that it's not, like, download forever. It's yeah. It, download for, 
you know, a week or whatever. Sort of like Apple Music where, you know, you, you can take it offline, but um, I, ideally you can't just like unsubscribe and it's still there forever. <laughs> there's, there's yeah, or even if, you're, even if you are subscribed, it's, they, uh, the Verge said it's more like uh, iTunes store rentals where you yeah. get like this, it expires basically after a time yeah. period, which is fine. Like that's, yeah, makes you know, it's still better than like, this is what everyone keeps going on about is like, well, HBO, you can't download anything if you use the HBO app. If you use go through Apple TV channels, you can actually download for offline play that if you're going on the plane and stuff. Yeah. So. And and as a launch feature, it sounds really basic, but I mean, like Netflix took ages to even experiment with downloads, and now it's much more prevalent. But it isn't like universal across Netflix. You know, I think I don't think everything is downloadable. I think it depends on like the licensing agreement. Um, and so to have it at launch for Apple TV is nice. And they also the Apple TV channels thing is like. If if you use family sharing, so up to six users can share access to one login. So that that's nice. And there is some confusion, I guess, about like, can your Apple TV channels login? So I guess your Apple ID and password be used on the service on the services app. And so far, yeah, like a third party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so far, we yeah. don't know for sure. But Apple seems to be telling Neelay Patel at the Verge, yes. But nothing seems to actually work yet. Yeah, yeah. So so <laughs> I guess it's on it's planned maybe. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Um, the other thing is this, this week is part of the same update as like the same embargo time or like release time. This Samsung smart TVs got first airplay two, which is they're the, they're the first TVs on the market to have it. Uh, airplay two will come to Sony Vizio and LG TVs later this fall. It seems like, but they also got the Apple TV app, which they showed in January as, as the uh, iTunes movies and TV shows app before the TV app was shown off. And now it's the TV TV app. Um, and it's, it's got all the same features. Like you can, I wasn't sure, like maybe they had said this before, but I wasn't sure if you could just like see your movie purchases and TV show purchases, or if you could also like buy from the iTunes store through the TV app. And from what they say, you can, you can both see and, you know, purchase new movies and TV shows from the iTunes store on the new TV app for Samsung TVs. Yeah, the Samsung TV app will show you iTunes content and it'll show you Apple TV channels content. Yeah, you also get channels and you can activate a new subscription in the channel mm-hmm. like for channels just like if it was on ios or tv of course you can because that's how apple's making his money <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean it could have been like at least to begin with like a, a portal into the service but not like where you initiate it sure just yeah. like how you know used to you could buy music on the apple tv and then now you can't you can only see your music, apple music subscription or your purchases but not buy new new, new content but the yeah TV what app, you what, what you don't get on like the tizen version and all the other platforms is the other is like the Amazon Prime chat, Amazon Prime Video. It kicks you out want, to the yeah, yeah. So that which, just doesn't exist, which which will mean the content selection is smaller. Mm-hmm. But theoretically, if you did subscribe to all the Apple TV channels, then that is the experience where you only see yeah. stuff you can actually watch and not have to pay extra for. Yeah. Now, when, I covered the Samsung story for ninety five Mac, and uh, I, you know, we. We'd seen before, I think, like what through the HomeKit accessories page from Apple, like what TVs will work with with Samsung, um, what, what Samsung TVs will work with AirPlay two and the Apple TV app, uh, and, and it's it's kind of weird that like you need to have a firmware update to add AirPlay two, that makes sense, but to also in the Samsung's App Store see the TV app, like you, you've got to have the latest firmware if you want to see the TV app, and that's like I think that's. I don't know why they're doing that, <laughs> but uh, it makes it really selective. Like it, it's not the same distribution as like putting Apple music on Android or putting Netflix on everything. You know, it's like they're, they're in the Samsung app store, but only if you've got a TV from 2018 or 2019 and it's only select 2018 TVs and it's got to have the firmware update. Like you, 
it can be installed, but only if you're on the latest software, um, which I, I imagine like slims down the number of people who have Samsung smart TVs with access to it. Um, this, yeah, how often, do you, how often do people firmware update their smart TVs anyway? Right, hopefully automatically, which is probably the default, but, you know, and then it just appears on the TV, which is, that's fine if that's the case, but uh, it, it's just, it's not the same as, like, Apple made a smart TV app and anyone can go and grab it on any smart TV platform, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder what the limitation is. Like, if they couldn't put it on any, because I, I feel like AirPlay 2 covers a lot of bases, but the Apple TV app covers other like the same bases in a different way and so you could say apple tv app everywhere airplay 2 on modern tvs with fast enough chips you know that are capable of, of handling it so i'm not sure what the strategy there is but. yeah i'm sure it probably comes down to some dumb like we need because samsung probably wants to get a share of the purchase price and there's well, some maybe because it we, you know we, we can kind of detect that okay it's samsung first other companies second or eventually uh, and then, and notably, Samsung does not have the HomeKit stuff where you like tell Siri to turn your TV on and off, and you can access it from the Home app and do automations. That, that's a little bit weird too that they're not doing that. But they do get to say we're first to AirPlay two and having the TV app. Maybe after they promote their 2018 and 2019 TVs, their their newly sold TVs, then they then they put it on the App Store for Samsung TVs like that have an App Store. <laughs> because yeah, because I guess then they come with modern firmware anyway. I don't know. It's yeah. Well, I mean, like it's kind of strange. You think that like if you're 2017 Samsung Smart TV has an app store that you could just go and download the, the apple tv app and, and so my my guess is maybe after this like exclusivity period between other brands then samsung 2017 gets the apple tv app too like that would that would make sense to me but if they only keep and it there on, must be maybe there's some like technical requirement though it's kind of like an app that requires ios 12 or later like there's some yeah thing that they need <laughs> maybe because because I, I i was surprised that there was a hands-on by uh sarah ditchy who did a really good look at like the app actually working yeah. it's a lot closer to the tvos experience than I was expecting it to be it's really smooth and it has almost all the same ui i was i had this kind of like feeling because they hadn't shown any screenshots of it on on a samsung tv i was kind of expecting it to be closer to like what the apple tv3 gets you know like the older generation ui it's simpler it's not as hmm. like 3d and bouncy around but no yeah. it's it's pretty modern and fresh and you can do the channel surfing stuff like all the new features is is apart from like the 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 3D depth of like the Apple TV Siri remote it's basically the same UI which yeah. is really cool so, to see. Sarah, so Sarah D2 is a YouTuber and uh she just tweeted and then thanked us for like seeing the coverage but I think she had like a, re- a review unit of a Samsung TV for like a, a sponsor video in the future but then it happened to be one they got the firmware update on like day 1 and so she could demo Using the TV app and AirPlay because AirPlay was part of the iOS update for for smart TVs. It's it worked on her smart TV that she had from Samsung, uh, and she did a really good demo because it was like not just you know let me AirPlay like something you could already watch on on the TV app, but let me AirPlay a, a video that I recorded myself that's in my Photos app and send that to the TV and that worked. And then she said like a photo and like zooming in and out you know pinch to zoom on the iPhone and how it reflected on TV and it's just like what you get from apple tv so i I thought that was nice Mm -hmm. um now i I, on monday when the news came out i saw the list of tvs and i was like i wonder what's the cheapest tv that will get airplay to in the the apple uh tv app on samsung um because i'd like to to if if it's you know reasonably priced and featured i'd like to try it out and then write about it so on the list there was a 2018 a 4K TV from Samsung that cost 2.99 at Best Buy that was in stock so I took a lunch break bought the TV brought it back home set it up um no firmware update and and 
but maybe by, maybe before like 24 hours is up, it'll be there. And it hasn't been there yet, but I, I confirmed with Samsung, like this TV will get this update, right? And they're like, yes, it's coming soon. So uh, <laughs> they, they, I guess, you know, your comment to me was like the $300 TV isn't like high on their priority, but so it's probably, yeah, like, it's getting it lost. <laughs> yeah, last to get it. Um, but I mean, that, that's pretty good. Like a 2018 TV is, it's 43 inches. It's a 4K, uh, LED. So it's like LCD with LED backlight, not an OLED. Um, but I, I put it in the office, like behind my desk, because there's another table over there. And, uh, that was just like to try it out. And I thought maybe I'll put it in the bedroom, but I'm kind of against bedroom TVs, like uh, easily iPad in the bedroom and that's it. And like, I kind of want to not be up watching TV in my bed. I'll go to the living room for that. So I think it's going to be like the office TV. <laughs> um, but it hasn't gotten the update yet. Uh, so I, I'm, I, I found on a website, you know, Samsung's website support page for the, the TV itself. And I've got like a page tracker on the page <laughs> with the firmware like date on it. So that when the date changes, I'll know, Oh, now I can go update my TV. <laughs> so, um, that's what it requires. But, um, but that'll, that'll mean to, to be able to do AirPlay and to have the Apple TV app. But already, like, it's, you know, it's got the, the Hulu app with live TV. So I found it useful for that, even as like background noise, you know, so, um, but that'll, that'll be neat to have like one TV with Apple TV attached to it and one without and then, you know, see the utility in that. So, um, yeah, all this is finally happening. And, and like we said, I, I think it's going to be this, this fall whenever Sony and LG and Vizio have their, AirPlay 2 support and their TV app. It seems like those will might become then. And um, yeah, because they're going to want it in coordination with TV Plus. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So that, that's something to look forward to. We also got the uh, WatchOS 5.2.1 update, which is a really weird version number. It's like a, a bug fix update, but it, it had one bug fix, which was the Explorer Watch Face. You know, we mentioned in 5.2, it, it lost its numbers. Uh, well, they're back now. So that, that's, that's, I think like last week we reiterated that that was the case. So that it was still missing after over a month and now it's repaired. So I was happy about that. But also the, the pride face introduced last. Yeah. This was a surprise. Yeah. WWDC. That's the, you know, the, the colors of the rainbow, uh, pride face that, uh, was introduced last year is like, like the, the colors. Uh, up and down over a black background, and they kind of animated like they had, like a few canned animations that just played on screen whenever you raised your wrist or tap the screen, and it matched the release of the latest Pride band that was sold for a few months. Um, and then the band went away; the face is still there, but it, it got a new update, so a new style that's like kind of like designed for the Series Four face or you know screen size, where it's like full screen, no black background at all. And they labeled it 2018 for last year, 2018 for this year. Uh, and there's a new analog pride face with two styles. One, I think, full screen and one circular. So the full screen one has analog clock hands. The colors move around the display, which is kind of very busy <laughs> for like my taste. But then the circle one is made for like series three and before. So there's no full screen. It's like the, you know, it's meant to hide the bezel. Uh, and then you can have complications in the corners of that one. And that one looks really neat to me, like you on the series four. Um, and like the whole face, like they just changed the way the animations work. Like what's your take on how they've, they've updated it? Yeah, this is so much better. This is what the pride face should have been when they did it last year. But last year it was kind of like, they were basically just showing you videos that they previously made. Basically like the, you know, the fire face they introduced in the fall. That's what the pride faces were. They were just pre-made videos, and then when you did wrist raise, it would just show you a different video. But there was only like five of them, so very quickly you'd see every animation. 
Whereas the 2019 Pride faces, both analog and digital, are not pre-canned videos. They're like rendered live. So you can tap the screen to make them like deform and, and jiggle. Mm-hmm. But you can tap anywhere and it responds in that place because, you know, it's doing it live. And if you like tap really quickly, they will like fly over the place. And it's, 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 it's so it's, much more dynamic and like live. It's really playful, whimsical, fun. Uh, it responds to like the crown spinning as well. Like it's it's neat. Like, And, and I also, I really wonder if they're going to do a new Pride band because they've had the the original Pride band, which was employees only. And it was distributed to employees who attended, I think, that year's San Francisco LGBT Pride Parade. Um, then they sold it the next year. And then the, the year after that, they had a different version of it. Um, and then this year there is not one yet. So they could bring back last year's and sell it, which is, which I don't think they'll do because it's the woven nylon style. And there, there are zero woven nylon bands sold from Apple now. Um, and the one last year was like more traditional looking and like it was like, like stripes and they had other bands that looked that same style, but different colors. Uh, this year, my guess is that they'll do a Pride Sport Loop, and so that's like the hook and loop enclosure, like Velcro style band. Um, but then it and, and it'll be full width with no white background, like the one last year had. It'll be all colors, like the original one, but a Sport Loop style. Um, so it, it isn't sold yet, but my, that's my guess is that that's coming, like because it needs to exist anyway, like something that hasn't existed yet, and it's like kind of obvious. But then the new 2019 Pride digital face like matches how it would line up on the watch itself. So mm. I, I, that's my guess is coming. Yeah. And on the digital phase, you can switch between 2018 and 2019. And they also updated the 2018 version to be dynamic and updating live. Like they've actually done, they've redone it. So it's not just videos. Yeah. On. You had a lot of opinions about this last year. And I was just like, oh, that's a nice face, whatever. And like you were really. <laughs> well, I was like disappointed. Yeah, but basically, yeah. if you're going to have an Apple Watch face in the current environment where only Apple makes them and you've got that one list where you scroll through them all. Like, the face has got to be justified its existence. Mm. And last year, it was like, well, this was it. And you had four different variations and basically as as you raised your wrist up and that was done. So last year, my whole thing was like, it's great they're celebrating Pride and, you know, all that stuff, but it should have just been like a mode on the motion face. Like, you know, when you go in and edit and customize, you can just pick the rainbow one. This year, they've like actually made them, you know, a real standalone face that actually has some inherent value to it. And yeah. they've even done analog and digital versions. Like, yeah. you know, they've done it properly. Yeah. So they're, 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 you've got to just go and like try it out or like, you know, see it to, to uh, see how good the. Yeah. And the are. analog one, when you do wrist raise, it changes the order of the colors. So you get like some variety there as well, in addition mm-hmm. to be able to like tap it and make them all jiggle around. The digital one, the color, the order of the colors doesn't change for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. They just like jiggles. But they're still, yeah. they're both really cool. Yeah. They're really intense in terms of like how they animate and how, how alive they are. It kind of reminds me of the, um, the, the videos that play when you fill your activity rings. I'm like, you get the. Mm-hmm. You know the like firecracker <laughs> animations, and it makes you think, oh, they need to have a face that's like that, like that intense animation of your activity rings every time you raise your wrist. <laughs> like, yeah, because cool. last year when the Pride faces leaked, like Rambo wrote them up before uh, June because were, like... you could you could find them. Yeah, I think he found like references to it, and then... yeah, and then he like had like a pity like descriptions of it, and it was like these woven lines. Yeah, like, and then you could find the it on the watch app on the iphone but you couldn't use it yet or something like that yeah 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 Yeah. and when he described it in the text we wrote up the report 
what I was imagining is basically what they've done this year, where mm. you can actually touch the screen and they're actually dynamic. And so yeah. last year when they came out, half the reason I was so like down, it was like, well, it hadn't yeah, lived up to what I'd imagined, right? Yeah. And so this time round, they've not only made it, you know, properly animate, they've also even added an analog version as well. Yep, yep. Which we had the whole discussion last week about the Mark Herman and Bloomberg report about new watch faces coming in and watch OS six, and then yeah. here we are again with new like you know the 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 digital version is like an update to it, you know, but but the analog version is like whole new, so that's interesting. Um, Mac OS Mojave got the ten point fourteen point five update, which mostly is bug fixes. Yeah, uh, but there's there's what was the one thing that like affected um, like a mind mapping app? Like oh, okay, so Omni Omni Outload Omni Plan. Okay. In April, when 10.14.4 came out, uh-huh. uh, Omni Group, the, the developers, uh, did a blog post saying, don't update to 10.14.4. <laughs> There's a critical bug affecting core animation layers, yeah. right? which is basically like when you look on... It's, hard, it's a developer concept, but yes. basically every control in AppKit is backed by layers, essentially. And mm-hmm. if obviously, if you have more controls on screen, there are more layers on screen. And the bug was... If you have a lot of layers on screen, like maybe if you have a complicated Omni Planner outline a document, then all the layers wouldn't render and it just render as black. Not good. That was the that was the bug, and yeah. it had been fine before, but for whatever reason, in ten point fourteen point four, this bug happened. And they, and so then Apple shipped it, and it broke Omni's app. Yeah, and it would have broken other apps that had really really deep trees of layers. Sure, but obviously, it particularly affected document apps that use layers. Yeah. Uh, and so now in 10.14.5, thankfully they fixed it. So, <laughs> but it was just a pretty bad bug to appear like in a random like point update. Like that's mm-hmm. the kind of bug you expect to see in like the the point you know, zero. Mojave point zero exactly. Yeah. yeah, it was really weird that it just kind of popped up you know in the middle of the cycle. And yeah, it was in beta and then actually shipped because there was. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then there's a uh, <laughs> this is like really affecting me. But there's there's an Intel related zombie bleed. Uh, insecurity on on Intel chips that affects Macs, right? Yeah, this is kind of a continuation on the big scandal last year with Meltdown and Spectre. You remember those? Like, yeah, they basically found exploits that the they they target the way modern CPUs go fast, and so modern CPUs take shortcuts to make them process faster. And using some clever techniques called like speculative execution attacks. They could work, basically extract memory from the from the CPU that they shouldn't have been able to by like abusing some caching system, mm-hmm. and Zombie Bleed is like another version of that. Just a year later, some more re- well research named. has come out. Yeah. yeah, well, well named. And this one is like Meltdown Inspector had like software patches um, predominantly. The Zombie Bleed version is kind of more low level, and so Apple can't actually fix it entirely just by a software update essentially all the cpus that are in computers sold since like 2010 have a flaw a pretty bad flaw that can't really be anything be done about so the way the chip is designed is a problem you can't change that so you can try and prevent you can try and and lessen the likelihood that it's taken advantage of but uh you can't you can't fix it yeah so the quote so in 10.14.5 apple included essential fixes that target the big attack vectors like safari for instance mm. and they f- and they did benchmarks and they found that these fixes didn't affect performance so it was all right to ship them to all customers yes but for technically you're still there has been ex vulnerabilities uh, found in research and written up that affect every mac in existence and every pc in existence 
And the problem is, there's no way to work around it in software or firmware apart from disabling huge parts of the CPU. Mm. And so hyperthreading, which essentially doubles the number of cores on your computer, you know, give or take, mm-hmm. is one such way to get around this problem. But if you disable hyperthreading, obviously you're using a, a lot of performance. And so Apple has basically released support documentation that says, yes, we know you're technically not fully secure, but most people shouldn't really care, so don't do it. Yeah. But if you want to do it, type these things in the command line, and you can disable hyperthreading, you can disable all this stuff, and it may cost you up to 40% of your performance. Uh-huh. You know, just like half your computer is gone. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And there's nothing, like, inherent about this thing that, like, that isn't, um, like, these these exploits are focus on Intel, but theoretically, you could have had similar problems with ARM chips, like, mm-hmm. fast ARM chips as well. So, I know people like to, like, you know, weigh on the Intel bagel and Intel suck and where's Apple's chips. There is no, like, strict evidence that an Apple desktop chip might not have actually exhibited the same issues because the meltdown inspector stuff they did have to release updates to ios to affect to affect change there mm-hmm. okay so that's zombie mm-hmm. bleed exciting yeah. uh, but basically then... <laughs> as if you're a normal user don't do you you update mojave and don't do anything else if you like work for the government or you know you're like a president and stuff like that maybe you should you know lose half your computing power a big deal <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's 2011 and beyond i think it's the the range, right? That's the effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun. Uh, and then HomePod 12.3 update is, is uh, so if you have a HomePod, go and update it. The, the, the feature here is that you can join Wi-Fi networks that require specific credentials to log in. And, and I think this is like uh, like enterprise and like university Wi-Fi, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like this is a huge issue when the HomePod came out in like last year, basically students bought it. They took it to the university dorm. The university Wi-Fi requires like, a paywall page which log in with your account information but yeah. you know the homepod doesn't have a screen or has no input method whatsoever so you couldn't connect and you know there were workarounds and stuff but it was annoying so now what seems to be the case is that the homepod basically gets you to log in on your phone or it takes the credentials previously on your phone redirects them to the homepod and pretends it's the phone so it can get in nice. and so it means the homepod can automatically connect to a lot more Wi-Fi networks than it could before. Like the the, the word is captive Wi-Fi networks, right? Where they display okay. like a login page before you can actually do it. So anything. now you can take your homepod to Starbucks and, and use their Wi-Fi. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. It's, it sounds but, really boring, but, it's, but it's it 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 is a like in in the in the real world, it's it's a it solves the problem that the homepod. Yeah, I actually know people who got around this problem last year by like hotspotting their phone just for the homepod to stream music because they're at uni and stuff, and yeah. it's like terrible. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can have a HomePod in my dorm. Like, it's too loud. Like, I guess for quiet things, you could, you could blow yeah. off. But yeah, all right. And, and then uh, that was Monday on Wednesday. I think it was. We got the the beta versions of iOS twelve dot four, TVOS twelve dot four, macOS twelve dot fourteen dot six, and watchOS five dot three. Um, so these are all in beta. There's nothing visually that we can see different about these yet. Um, but then common sense predicts that this will be the update that supports the uh, Apple Card, credit card in the U.S. this summer when it launches. So, um, you know, 12.3 took until it took about six weeks to go from beta to release. You can imagine this is mid-May. So by the end of June, we, we get into summertime. And so Apple Card could be ready to, to you know, launch in the U.S. So this could be a, this is probably the update that supports it. Um, so iOS covers the iPhone and iPad, macOS, the Mac, watchOS, the watch, and then tvOS can just be up to date as well. Um, and also because this is only in beta in mid-May, 
we'll probably, you know, like 99% see iOS 13 beta in two and a half weeks at WWDC. So this is one of those betas. It's pretty common now where, you know, we won't use it for very long. Um, then we'll all be running the iOS 13 beta, you know, with, with different... Yeah, and, and they've done this sometimes before where, like, iOS 12.4 beta will run concurrently with iOS 13, like, their release. Because 12.4 might not necessarily come out on June 3rd either. So you could have the thing where, like, they, they carry on doing beta builds of 12.4 that nobody installs because everybody's running the iOS right. 13 beta. Yeah, I, I am a little nervous about this situation because, like, if uh, Apple Card, you know, this is the Apple Card release, like, if you need the, the launch release of iOS 12.4 to like see the apple card ui for example then it, it, i think it's quite likely that like ios 13 beta won't have it either that week or like until like the next seed or until launch you know maybe yeah it might be like the two it might be like the, the you know the one beta delay situation yeah so i don't i don't yeah i don't know like <laughs> so i guess we'll see like what how 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 much is in this ios 13 stuff because Although I don't know, like, so Apple Card is the only way to apply for it, like, to, to do that is in the wallet app on the iPhone? Like, yeah, I think so. Yeah. There seems to be some, that's one of the things that Rambo has found in, in the code for this is that there are references, uh, new, new references to, you know, like, like hyperlink to wallet. If, if there was an app, it'd go to the wallet app, but it's going to go to the settings pane for wallet. So maybe the iPad would, would, would have the same UI. And so, like, if I've got an iPad, that's not on on that beta <laughs> can can get can do this. So. It's, it's a concern though. As, as you you the, might be alright though because they still haven't said like a month for the yeah. Apple Card, so it could I, be like July, and by which time they've already fed the into the beta channel for iOS thirteen. Even well. so, that could be like a week off. Like remember, I think it was uh, it was like Apple Music. You got it was some release that you got like if you weren't on the beta, but the developer beta was like a week behind or two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, they've done it a few times. With yeah, it's time. happened. So. Yeah. So I mean, big picture of that anyway is that hey, in two weeks, like two and a half weeks, we'll we'll have WWDC here, and uh, all that stuff that we've been talking and about. and all our beautiful stability will be completely out the window. Correct. <laughs> yeah. I I, inst- I, think. I installed the WatchOS five point three beta, thinking like maybe I'll just poke around and see if there's anything new. And I, I, once I installed it, I just that was it. <laughs> but I wouldn't do the five point two point one beta to see if Explorer was fixed, but I'll do five point three, and I'll definitely do WatchOS six. So. <laughs> Hiring these days just isn't as easy as putting an ad in the newspaper or posting on a job board. With more qualified candidates than ever and remote work that makes the hiring pool even deeper, you need something that helps you find the right people for your business, and LinkedIn Jobs does just that. And as a business owner, you're probably already familiar with LinkedIn, so you'll love the simple dashboard for tracking candidates. Simply start with your company name, job title, and location. It's really easy to use. With more than 500 million active members, people come to LinkedIn every day to make connections, grow their careers, and discover new job opportunities. And 90% of LinkedIn users are open to new opportunities but are not actively scanning job boards. This means LinkedIn Jobs gives you access to an entirely different demographic than anywhere else. LinkedIn Jobs uses knowledge of both hard and soft skills to match you with the people who fit your role the best. Things like collaboration, work ethic, and adaptability are all taken into consideration. So LinkedIn Jobs can help you find someone that's not only qualified, but also matches your company's culture. LinkedIn Jobs gets your job in front of the most relevant, 
qualified candidates so you can focus on making a hire that you're excited about. Post a job today at linkedin.com slash happy hour and get $50 off your first job. That's linkedin.com slash happy hour. Terms and conditions apply. All right, man. The other interesting thing this week uh, came from uh, the vice president of Apple Pay at Apple, uh, Jennifer Bailey, uh, uh, about a future feature for Apple Pay, just kind of privately announced, uh, you know, at like a public event, but uh, really low key. So what, what's coming with Apple Pay in the future? Yeah, this is kind of out of the blue. There was apparently a mobile payments summit conference thing going on in Las Vegas called Transact, and Jennifer Bailey was there, and she actually announced something something new coming to Apple Pay soon, and that is the addition and or support of NFC stickers for payments. So obviously right now you can do Apple Pay on the web, you can do Apple Pay inside apps, or the, you know, what most people think of Apple Pay is the Apple Pay in retail stores, you know, brick and mortar stores, where you go in, you tap your phone to the merchant terminal thing, and then you pay. This is sort of like that, but instead of uh, you being like, you know, it could be connected to a terminal. They're just stickers. So just NFC stickers. You know, you, there's no battery attached to them. They're not connected to the internet. They're just little stickers that can go anywhere that the server or some other company can recognize by a special ID and back reference that as, as you know, you buying something. And so they showed off some, like, use cases for this. Uh and they're partnering with a few companies, for instance, Bird, who make or like run electric scooters in the US. Uh, they will be adding these stickers on, so you can just pay by you know waving your phone at a sticker on a scooter and then just immediately driving off. Or uh, a clothing company called Bonobos is going to enable like self serve shopping. I think they're going to put like these stickers on the clothes rail lines, like the end of the rows, and mm-hmm. so if you want to buy it an outfit on the on the row you just scan it and leave kind of emulating the apple store experience where you can buy accessories but you have to use like the apple store app yeah it kind of pictured like um a sticker on the price tag like how you'd have it Mm -hmm. written out but it'd be like you know some sticker like that yeah because 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 there's no because they're so basic like these stickers they're really really cheap like you can just put them on loads and loads of things there's no there's really no electronics in them they're just like an electric circuit yeah. And then what you what scans it is actually like what activates it and reads off, you know, the one special number that somehow correlates to the item. It's, it's not it's not even as like high tech or high like uh, requirements like the beacons where they're like they're broadcasting. Uh, yeah. It, it's that like just it's however NFC works, but it's close to it and it sends your phone, what, like a URL and then it all yeah, processes on your phone. And in lieu of an app, you're kind of doing like a mix of like Apple Pay on the web minus an app, you know, or Apple Pay in an app minus an app. Um, yeah, yeah. You don't have to do any logging in. You don't have to download a special app. It will go – you you scan and it directly shows you the screen where it says like – where it would normally say hold near the reader. It will mm-hmm. pop up with that screen and you just authenticate and you and you pay and you're done. Yeah, and, and so I guess like for Bird Scooter, so at WWDC last year in San Jose, there was uh, – I think Lime was one brand of scooter – and then Bird was one brand of scooter that you could a lesser scooter you could you could rent, and it required downloading the Bird app first, and then making an account, logging in, scanning a QR code, I think, which told told Bird like unlock the scooter so I can use it, um, and then it's it's billed to me. So I guess that process is like it's instead of being in the app and then talking to the scooter, it's 
through the web behind the scenes. And really what all you're doing is just like completing the transaction. So it takes out like a bunch of steps. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah. And they, like the last uh, example they showed is a pay, pay, pay by phone, which is like a parking company. And yeah. so you can imagine because normally when you're in a parking place and you need to go and pay the meter, there's like two meters in the entire parking block, you know, like the opposite ends of the road. Because these stickers are so inexpensive, they could just put these stickers on like the posts that are on you know that are sitting next to all the parking spaces, mm-hmm. and so you could just scan a post and then just walk off, and wouldn't the, have to actually go to somewhere. Yeah, pay by phone is interesting, and and in New Orleans, where I visit often, there there are parking like paid parking is is more prominent than where I live because uh, it's just like free parking everywhere you go here. But uh, in New Orleans, it, it used to be that you needed cash, and then they they eventually you know adopted that you could use cards and pay by your debit or credit card. Uh, and and lately they've they've you know especially modernized where you can. Um, be parked in your car and know what like it'll have an app that you download, which can be tough. Like downloading a parking app, it should be very fast. But like sometimes in in cities that can be you know low signal and the app can be bigger than it should be to download, and it takes a while. <laughs> it can be annoying. Um, but download the app and then like say you put in your tag number and your parking place, and you get a timer started, and that's all pretty involved. Um, I'm not quite sure, like how how all this translates, like into you know Apple Pay and a sticker, but we'll we'll see. <laughs> but it sounds efficient, though. Uh, so, do we know if it's iPhone only, or if like it would work with Apple Pay on the watch the same way? Or? I believe it definitely works on the watch. Oh, cool! So, like, pay by yeah. phone can mean pay. By uh, it your should, watch. but you need internet, obviously, like because right, the, need... the device is doing heavy lifting, so it'd have to be like cellular watch. Like. Yeah, yeah, or or, or, or you know, you've got your iPhone in your pocket, and the watch communicates that way. Yeah, yeah. I, I could totally see this also like being a feature. That they mentioned on stage <laughs> next again, month. yeah, yeah, because it's it's big enough, but it isn't like let's get the small stuff out of the way. It's just like there was a conference, and then they want to attract attention to this, I guess. But it's yeah, maybe it'll come up again in September when like something's actually shipping with it, versus like because this is all coming later in the year, like it's not yeah. actually out now. So. And, and I think maybe Android's got like support for this already, or they have. And I, I, I just yeah, I, this I, is actually a question I have because yeah. we weren't at the conference; it wasn't entirely clear. But is these stickers? proprietary or are they like a standard that apple's you know like supporting it yeah. wasn't really clear because they, they show a slide with a sticker and the sticker just has the generic like contactless logo you know the three lines yes the three curved lines yeah. it doesn't have apple pay written on it which implies that it's a standard because otherwise apple had made sure they put their logo on it mm-hmm. but they didn't actually ever say that so it's not entirely clear what's yeah. going on here. It's funny like, in, in looking at the story, it was like Apple Pay stickers. So then I, I, I find the story from years ago, like where they made these decals to put in businesses to say that you support Apple Pay. It's like mm. those are the original Apple Pay sticker. They're literally yeah, stickers. yeah. And and there are some questions about how this is all going to work and how they're going to ensure it doesn't get abused. Like at the moment, they're only working these three companies, but especially if it's a standard, it'll mean anyone can make these stickers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, what if you? If you're an unscrupulous individual who makes, you know, Acme companies that it pays $50 when you scan the sticker and you just place it over the top of a bird scooter and like you get someone to accidentally scan that sticker instead of the uh, real so, one. So, is, you know, obviously it's going to require confirmation on the device. Like as Apple Pay transaction, you double click the side button to, to confirm it and you see the UI before that, but you could, you could mislead someone into thinking, yeah, like, like, I, I want to. Yeah, that's a hard problem. <laughs> but maybe, maybe it just relies on like, okay, so the 
the vendor is listed here as bird. If it's not bird, like if you know, uh, if it's like bird with two eyes or something, then then that's fishy. But yeah, yeah. But part obviously part of this proposition is convenience and speed. So they're not sure. going to want to do this thing where it's like confirm for sure that this is the right purchaser. Like yeah. Yeah. Which is hmm. an interesting problem they're going to have to get over, I think. Apple, like, it's, it's a real futuristic problem, the Apple Pay, Apple Pay sticker abusers. Yeah, which yeah. which leads me to believe more is going to be like proprietary-ish, because then at least they can control it more and not have... Because they could at least do like a program where you have to get like a certificate signed by Apple to make sure you, the stickers work, versus mm-hmm. you know anyone and their dog can put stickers up on the wall that you accidentally <laughs> scan and start buying stuff left, right, and center. Yeah, a- Apple Pay, like it's... it's uh... You know, since like the iPhone 6 event where, you know, they, they demo Apple Pay in stores this is the most basic way to use it. It's, it's come a long way in terms of like how many bells and whistles it can gain, you know, aside from the problem of like adoption and, and in stores and everything. But it's- Oh yeah. Bailey actually, um, separate to the stickers, she also announced that Apple Pay is going to add like recommended loyalty card signups in, inside of wallet. So if you like buy something that would be eligible for a loyalty card, mm-hmm. it will like detect that and say, you know, for the next time, do you want to be part of this loyalty card program? And it'll be like one button, sign up and go, and it'll like add it to the wallet. Okay. Hmm. So, so if and, and all of this is coming around like Apple Card, obviously. It's like, yeah. you know, they're really beefing up what the wallet can do. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's definitely not like Signation. Like they, they're, they're doing things, which is good mm-hmm. to see. Yeah. All right. Let's discuss the sequel, uh, the sequel to the iPhone XR and the rumors around that. So I don't know what the name will be. I mean, ten is like this generation of phone, and like R is a modifier. So I don't know how you modify a modifier, but I guess we'll see. But what, what are the R? Yeah. What, what? What? Yeah. But then, what do you do the next year? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, neither does Apple. Yeah. I guess they do one year at a time. But what? What are the hardware rumors around what's going on with the iPhone? Yeah. So this is just. We haven't covered this in the show yet. Obviously, we've talked about the square bump for the triple camera. That is like locked in now. Everyone's saying it's going to be the square bump with the triple mm-hmm. camera. The 10R is getting a dual camera. And specifically, the 10R camera module is going to look like the triple camera module. So, the, you know, the round rectangular f- design. But of yeah. course, it only has two cameras in it. So it's. Got you know the the we had the weird triple camera with the triangular arrangement of the three lenses, and on the new 10R you'll still have the round rect shape, but it'll only have two cameras in it, and then they've moved the microphone and the speaker about a bit to like fit in the gap differently. But yeah, like aside from the rumor, it would be totally reasonable to just assume oh the iPhone 10R two gets two cameras, so it's going to be the one from the 10S, like that module moved to the to the new phone, um, and and that would be reasonable. But but here the rumors say otherwise. And I don't know, like, you know, I think you may have some theories about, like, what they're doing behind the module that, that requires that space. Other than that, yeah, like, I guess it's also like a like a 2019 flagship status symbol of, like, <laughs> I've only got two cameras, but I've got the square. So it's the new <laughs> camera. Yeah, I mean, I've got, it, I've got the 2019 two camera. Yeah, there's probably not much value in that. But but it, it is a, sig- a signal that you've got the new phone. Now, like, the uglier they get, the more distinct they are. <laughs> Yeah, pr- presumably the lenses are going to be different from what was in the 10s for the new 10R, right? Because yeah. otherwise, you know, the 10R is cheaper. So if, and, if and they, if, well, and they're they're not afraid of putting and and I mean the 10R isn't a cheap phone; it's seven hundred dollars, and, and so they're not afraid of putting like this current generation level hardware in it, but make you know make other choices to make it less mm-hmm. expensive um so like yeah. it, it could have like the same camera enhancements as the iphone 11 
one and two camera and just not have the third camera, but it's always a better one and two camera than the 10s has. You know? Yeah, because it'd be like a bit of a kick in the teeth if it was the same camera as the 10s, but now you get it in this stupid rectangle shape. I mean, that's almost like a 5C level move where they take last year's hardware and then make the, the compromises that it's cheaper casing too. Whereas the 10R isn't that. It's like this year's hardware for in, in many, many ways. Yeah, and the most yeah. popular phone. Yeah, and the most popular phone. Yeah. So, yeah, but it's just not, not a very pretty rumor at least. Yeah, I'm kind of getting. I'm kind of getting slightly more acclimatized to the triple camera, square well, round. I, I think that I think that you, as an iPhone 10 user, can definitely skip this year because it Ooh. sounds like next year iPhone gets much like it's a much more dramatic move. And so, yeah. whatever phone you buy, you're going to use for more than one year. And so, I think that next year's iPhone, like. 5G especially is an issue for like a long longevity, but even like camera and everything, like it, it could be a bigger design. Like the actual chassis designs could probably yeah. change next year. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I think for this series iPhone, like you might really need to be, you know, hurting for a new phone to, <laughs> to, to, to grab one of this generation because it just sounds like it's like, you know, performance wise and everything like feature wise, it's like, it's like the, you know, you're topping off here, but then next year it's like, polished too maybe yeah if, if the camera upgrades really make it like best in class which i kind of feel like they have to if they're going to make these kind of like aesthetic compromises with how it looks then it'll be you know at least there'll be a reason to do it like what if, if it does everything the current phones do plus like an ultra wide camera but like it's like marginal improvements over the standard oh, if, they, if they just had ultra wide and that was it i'll be like nah it's right. yeah but like, like your standard shot and your 2x shot are like you know yeah same. like it needs to start like beating the pixel and stuff you know like, yeah. <laughs> if if it's just like the 10s camera on the other two lenses, and then they add an ultra wide one, and maybe like, oh, if you take an ultra wide, but someone's cropped off, we'll go to the other one automatically. You'd be like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's cool, but I'm not going to do it. But yeah. I feel like it can't just be that. Like, they can't just be making this thing, this shape, just to add, you know, a third zoom level. Like, surely yeah. they're going to like fuse the data from all the cameras together, and maybe the reason it's a triangular shape is like they've got equal distance between each of the lenses, which maybe means they can do some clever maths and, like, combine the pixels together and do something clever, like... Because otherwise, I don't know why they wouldn't just do three in a line or, you know, one in each corner, like we talked about before, and, like, what Huawei and other manufacturers do. Like, for me, there just has to be a motivation for putting the things in a triangle, because it cannot be it looks pretty, because it doesn't. Like, it's just not what... It's just not the obvious move. I hope that whatever they do, like, the keynote, they show everything that, that the camera can do, and it's ready when the phone comes out, and it isn't, like... Here's the hardware, and it's going to get way better in a software update in one month. <laughs> or there's features that we're not even telling you that's coming in one month in the beta next week. Like that's how the, you know, like um, for the first dual camera on the iPhone Seven Plus was like that. It was like, you know, you get portrait mode soon, but not yet. And then mm-hmm. there was um, the ability to edit the blur level with the 10s, but they didn't even mention that really like in the keynote. And then it came. No, no, no. no. Yeah, they, they, you could edit the blur, but you couldn't do it oh, live. Yeah, that's live. They, you, you couldn't yeah. see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, that's what they added a month later. Yeah, so let, let's have one iPhone event where they show everything about the phone at the event, and it's available when the phone's available. <laughs> iOS 13 comes out, you can still only use two cameras. 13.1, yeah. the ultra-wide starts working. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like, it, it's it's just like, um, it's like ultra-wide, but you can't do anything like special about it. Like, there's <laughs> yeah. there's all this stuff like where the software needs to catch up like, at these events. So. Yeah. So one event where they avoid that, that would be nice. And then the other story with the 10R2 is the color switch up. Yeah. So Me- Mekatakara had this story that uh, presumably uh, w- what they report is that there will be two new colors 
but then two existing colors will go away, and so the other colors remain. So you, you keep black and white. I guess those are popular enough. And you keep uh, yellow red. and red. And red especially is like, you know, they, they've done red phones before. Um, but you toss coral, which is like the kind of peachy color. It can, it, the lighting changes the way that, that phone looks a lot. And blue – which blue seems like that'd be really popular, but to me, the, the, the shade of blue they did is not very appealing. Like it's like almost like the the worst like washy version of blue. Like I can imagine like the iPod Touch blue is like electric. It's cool, but it's not what they did. And they'll replace it with lavender, which is like you know purpley color, and green. <laughs> and we don't have to imagine what these look like because Mark Herman has tweeted out shards of glass. That are supposed to be from these phones. Some factory workers like smash them ten R prototypes. Yeah, and just lay them out on the table. It's the craziest leak, but like here, here are these like you know shards of glass all together. It's like that's the new, the new green, the new purple. <laughs> you know what, what what the name them we don't know, but you can you can literally see. And the green color, like again, it's not very electric. It isn't like the five C green either. It's like um more like shamrock to me, like pastel. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, they look nice colors. I'm just like flabbergasted that yellow survived and blue didn't yeah yeah so the the carriers have fun marketing the the colors that match their brand and so let's see that's like yellow uh and black for sprint and uh i guess t-mobile can't really <laughs> they, they need like a magenta color maybe they'll, they'll play with lavender for that uh maybe they maybe coral i don't know but these are the horizon red yeah, Verizon Red, AT&T would be blue and black. So, but yeah. AT&T <laughs> Doom then. <laughs> yeah, they do. So. <laughs> yeah, because surely, like, it's probably like black and white are most popular, and then it's either blue or red. Like in terms of what has been sold to date, surely, like they have to be more popular than the other colors. I think the red just looks the best in terms of like, oh, it's a colored iPhone. Like you know. Yeah, um, red is cool. I saw a yellow cool. one in the wild. I was I was at a dinner and a waitress was looking, but she had like in her back pocket, like it wasn't in a case or anything. <laughs> it's like yellow iPhone, but they look cool. But yeah, so so uh, and, and that's got to be based on sales, like how many they sell and how many they don't sell, and you know. I, I, I just imagine it seems crazy that blue isn't more popular. I don't know. Yeah, green. Uh, so lavender, like as a, as a version of purple, that's a cool, like, cool thing. Green is like a missing thing. And, and then they have like the color flood ad where they had colors that weren't like actually colors. Yeah, the they had green in that color flow ad. Yeah, so. hmm. yeah. I guess every year we'll, we'll change up the colors. So. And the, and and then pink is like um, kind of touchy because they've done gold and rose gold. So like you know, you can even the yellow is like encroaching on gold <laughs> for the aluminum finish. So yeah. Well, so so that that's that's fair. And you know. I, th- I think seeing the glass charge was like this. This is what we'll get, <laughs> you know. Uh, and so that the glass charge came from Gerwin. Let's also discuss the, the the rest of Mark Gurman's Bloomberg report from last week. So we we went through in, in detail of the WatchOS six rumors um, that that Mark had reported in Bloomberg last week. Um, let's go through and what time we have left to mention some of the most interesting interesting things and some of our favorite things from iOS thirteen. So kick it off with reminders. Yeah, so Rambo had obviously previously reported that reminders are going to get redesigned. Uh, German's followed up with some like more specific description. And so he says it will feature a main page with a grid layout for sections like due today, scheduled, flagged, due this week, or all, all reminders. And of that kind of screen doesn't really exist in 
the current reminders app which hasn't been updated basically since ios 7 yeah because the current reminders app is just like a list of your reminder cards and you can click one and see the reminders yeah list there can be a card for do today or you can organize it that way and like change the view that way at least on the mac and and you can see like you can see like only what's due today or only what's on this list or only what's uh past due you can flag things or you can like mark levels of importance to things, but I don't think it makes any difference at all to communicate to you what you told yourself before. Yeah, it just um, puts three like exclamation marks on the on the rows yeah. <laughs> on the items. Yeah, so this is, this seems like it's taking a lot of what exists, but it's just you know it was all designed for iOS five and just has not been changed like like functionally like the the the, the theme has changed, but the function has not. Um, and as I think is like Siri is easily the best way to interact with the reminders in terms of like creating the reminders, um, because you can do so much efficiently with Siri that with the UI of reminders is just so dated. And like, even at the time it was like adding location and adding time, it was like tap, tap, tap through screens and everything. And, and like, it's not, it's not been touched, you know, well. And, and yeah. in this, in this way, it's like maybe that improves. We'll see. Um, if, if, it, if it's modern, but then also they're taking things that already exist, like, you know, what's due today, what's scheduled, what's flagged, and, but make it, you know, presentable and not hidden. Yeah, better organized. And yeah, actually for, for such a simple app, it's got, like, complexity hidden in, in it. It's kind of wild. Yeah, and, like, it doesn't sound like there's going to be a, you know, a whole swath of, like, new features and stuff, but, like, new functionality, that, that side of the axis. But I think that's fine. Like, I think the functionality of Reminders Today covers, you know, the 90% use case for you know, average people. I use, I use reminders. Like, I don't get stressed out about it that I can't do, you know, sub-projects or whatever else people like doing. But it's just, you know, complicated, confusing, and, you know, a bit dated. And it's got still got the paper texture and everything. It just kind of looks a bit stupid. <laughs> so if they can re- reorganize it, and, like, there'll be people who don't know you can set, like, locations on reminders because yeah. it's so hidden behind that weird, like, little eye button, and then you have to edit and add it. And... If they can just make it cleaner, make it more intuitive, you know, and that's the Apple way. I, I don't, th- I'm not like begging for them to add, you know, X feature, but if they can redesign it and make it clearer and better, then that's great. Yeah. The, the biggest new feature those reminders has gained, like, since, you know, over, over the years, besides like a redesign, is the ability to, um, like, if you're looking at an email, tell Siri to remind you about this and then it knows that it's the email in front of you. Or if someone calls you and you, you know, you can you can decline the call and have it remind you to call them back, uh, or you can even say like call your contact, and it'll, it'll interpret that as like call use the phone, and then the contact is who it is, and it'll put like a little phone icon next to it. Um, so like integrating apps uh, intelligently, contextually into the reminders app for like actions from the reminders app is is really nice, um, and that's kind of uh, you know it, it's a big change, but it, you know it, that that's kind of it, <laughs> yeah. So. Um, this sounds like a reorganization versus like wholly new things that you can do. Um, but I hope, hope, hopefully it's a good one. You know, we'll see. Yep. Um, Mark repeats the project sidecar stuff that we talked about before in terms of the Mac OS, like external display working with the iPad, uh, for screen time. He says that they're just going to build on, you know, the foundation of last year with a few extra additions, including the ability to, uh, limit, screen time based on contact not just based on app so you don't have to block messages but you could as a parent like block your kid from talking to anyone but the parents so all your friends you can't talk to after 7 p.m for instance but uh, 
but that would still allow you to open messages and use it to talk to family or you know important yeah, chats and I stuff guess like that. Functionally, like you, you need to like block all of like Messenger or other third party apps if you because you couldn't do contact level there. Um, but so then you say like no Messenger and message is okay, but only with these people kind of thing. That makes sense. Yeah, that, that is an interesting thing though, where it's like. You know, it, it, maybe they could do like an API where a yeah. third party app could say, oh, I'm in a context where I'm talking to this person. So should I let them do it or not? Like that kind of level. Because, yeah, otherwise you could just go, you know, if you block someone from talking, even on Facebook Messenger in an app, you can always just go to the website, right? And just yeah. do like a mobile website and chat through there. Like, yeah. So, yeah, it, it is interesting that contact per contact limits is like finer granularity than really what you know, the current iOS system can actually do. It can't enforce anything more than, like, the app level. So it's an interesting thing. But what it will probably be is just, oh, this only applies to messages. Yeah. Like the yeah. messages app. But it'd be nice if they could, you know, make it further afield. I also think for screen time, there's still a few of those, like, workarounds that all the kids have discovered. Oh, you know, like, uh, one that uh, I know of is that if messages has been blocked, you can go into, like, another app, open the share sheet, press messages, and then... You know, like the messages share sheet right now, when you press you know, share through messages, yeah. you can just put whatever name you want in the to field. It's like, right? com- like, it's like a compose window, right? Yeah, it's like a compose window. You can, that, that whole sheet will still work even if messages is blocked. <laughs> so you can just chat through that. Like, that's, that's not a joke. You can just chat through being that. A kid so, is like finding things like that. You know? <laughs> yeah, but these are like documented. Like, if you Google like ways to work around downtime, screen time, parent lock, like, there's like, there's like five things and they they fixed like one of them where you could change the time like it was like oh if you're blocked between t- seven and ten and then kids well i'll just go in the settings and change the date and time and reverse it back so now if you have a screen time with the passcode set the, the date and time options are grayed out you can't change them but there are still ones like the share sheet like workarounds or escape hatches that you know those are the kind of things they'll probably patch up in 13 yeah help for. i can't i can't see what you send back to me but uh help <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, also talking about the share sheet, uh, Mark says that the share sheet is going to be redesigned with, like, personalization functionality. Uh, And so right now, the share sheet is kind of ugly, and it's kind of, again, it's, like, focused on app versus focused on person. And it sounds like they're going to invert that a bit and, like, show recommendations, like, automatically and proactively based on the kind of content you already share. And so... Maybe rather than seeing, like, the airdrop banner, you'll instead see, oh, do you want to share directly to Zach or James or, you know, your wife or whatever, rather than you always having to click, like, messages and then type oh, in the person's so maybe, name. Maybe it's you pick Zach first, then you choose, is it messages, email, airdrop, whatever. Yeah. Or maybe it just pairs them together, like, it always knows you talk to Zach on messages, so it yeah. just has an icon of Zach with messages in the in the screen. Yeah. Okay. So it's, like, one sense. touch. Yeah, if, if you mess, if you share that way, if you use a share sheet that way, what is it now that you 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 select messages and you have to pick your contacts or compose, you know, a name yeah. and type it in? That's pretty wild. So, it's yeah. an area and I do this quite a lot with you. Like, if, if I've taken a funny screenshot and I want to share it with you, you know, I press the share button, then I click messages, and then I it doesn't even show recent contacts in the compose window either. You still have, you have to like type manually. So I type Z, then I press Zach, and then I press send. So. It'd be a nice optimization if I could just press the share button and it would just say Zach messages and just one way, I'd get way more screenshots that way, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'd talk even more than we do. Yeah. So yeah, that'd be that'd be uh, good. He also mentioned some general like performance and bug fix focus for iOS 13, which I thought was interesting because you know obviously that was the major thing of iOS 12. Yeah, it'll be 
intriguing to see if they like market it as a 13 feature or if it's just you know just kind of in the background just carrying on with with that kind of jiggle he also said there's going to be some like uh, interface changes to like a new animation for multitasking and the widget screen that appears to the left of the home screen will be you know cleaned up and freshened and give it a fresh look by implication that sounds like the widgets are not leaving the the, the page era of the home screen which yeah. is kind of a downer yeah these are the kind of clues that it's like they're so they're so kind of vague that it's like you know i guess we'll know it when we see it but it, it's like it's more like these are areas to look at whenever ios is 13 is, is is showing off like oh that's what he meant by that but but you really can't sketch it out from the descriptions um yeah yeah the, the the home kit thing that changed here is um so home kit has not changed in a, in, a, in a couple of years where it's like you know there are opportunities for like new automations and new ways to interact with things that have not been not been done um and, and then adding new categories has has been kind of slow like this year we got tvs uh in january but it wasn't part of like last year's news so you know this can kind of come anytime um what what mark says about home kit and the home app is that the security cameras will have the uh what the ability to view past recordings so right now you can view um a live recording you, you can get an alert if motion is detected and see like a snapshot of, of what was caught and then you can tap in and like see the live recording but you can't like go back you know five minutes or like there's no history yeah there's no history at all and then you you, you can view like, every home kit camera has some level of history for free where you go to their app and see it but not on the home app so it kind of breaks the whole you know one app for all your accessories you know idea so it sounds like in this update there and it doesn't sound like like you pay for iCloud storage and save history there but maybe they can expose what you do get like if you pay Logitech for you know um, thirty day history, that maybe some of that will be viewable in the home app. Um, you know, so that's kind of one of the questions that I have for this is like, how extensive is it? How is how does it laid out? How does it work? Um, you know, uh, because like the, the dream is you pay Apple for iCloud storage and you can use that storage for your 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 camera history, your video history. Um, but you know, I think one of the, the big business models for these cameras companies is we sell you storage space for the hardware you buy once and you pay us monthly for, you know, as a subscription fee. Um, so I don't think they're going to do that. I think that would, that would make their partners mad. <laughs> so Apple wants it because they want more people to buy iCloud storage. Yeah, that's true. Well, they should maybe, maybe make a camera <laughs> their own. <laughs> I'd love, I, I'd be perfectly happy with that if it was like just part of, you know, just use up iCloud storage. You can just delete it once a week or whatever, if you have to. Yeah, that'd be great. I hate, you know, like subscriptions. I kind of hate in general, but especially like, the, the subscriptions for all these like third party cameras are like really exorbitant a lot of the time and kind of yeah, like Logitech is like you pay monthly per camera. <laughs> it's yeah, like it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. So if I'm paying for, you know, right now I'm paying for 200 gigs of iCloud storage, but if you could add in more stuff, I'd happily pay you, you know, for the, the higher plan, whether that's, you know, I keep talking about like macOS Time Machine for iCloud, but they, yeah. they still don't seem to want to do that or, you know, camera backup, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just add in to the service's revenue indirectly. Yeah, his his rumor. There's a report about the ability to set your profile picture and iMessage or in messages, so that that um, when your avatar appears, you get to pick what it is. I like that for the for the for the reason that um, I often see people I, I chat with um, 
you know, you, Chance from work, like other people pick really old pictures I used to use online because like I used to sync with Twitter or Facebook and that's, that's when it synced and hasn't changed since then. And it's not like a, a new picture at all. It's like, a, and I can't change what you use for me. Um, so if I can set the picture that you use for me, I like that. Uh, I see way more people like, like I think almost everyone have no picture. And so it's yeah. like the first and last initial. Uh, and it's just so ugly the way it looks too. Cause it's like gray and white and dull. Um, yep. And it like looks better to turn off the pictures altogether than to have just the initials. Um, so this is nice. The only thing is I think like if, if people won't like set a contact for like their 10 most frequently, you know, chatted with or phoned with people, then, then people also won't set their own picture. <laughs> so, uh, even though I it's think like, people set their own picture. maybe, but I, I, I imagine that a lot of the same people ha- also have no picture for their own account yet. Cause like, why would you? It's not a you know big thing. And well, then, yeah, that's the thing. Like if you go into the settings app in like iOS 11, yeah. they added a big cell at the top, which says your name and has a profile picture. Yeah, there, I but... put a picture there, but I see a lot of people don't. <laughs> Yeah, but the profile picture doesn't do anything, right? Like, yeah. currently in iOS 11, there's basically no use to putting your picture on the settings. Yeah, if, yeah. if that suddenly actually reflected in the messages app to everybody you talk to, I think people update constantly. And if, they're probably going to add, like, a status it. line as well where you can yeah. say, you know, like, just chatting with my friends or whatever, you know, like, Facebook status kind of thing. Aim, like mini yeah. <laughs> Listening to... Yeah. Yep. 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 It, it depends on how much they push it. But I, 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 if it was just like you, you can do it if you know where to go and, and change it, then maybe they will. But I, I think a lot of people just don't it's, like, I care about that because it's like how the app looks, but a lot of people just don't care because it doesn't make a difference. Like, um, I think people who do it because they see it like they'll see it like a Twitter avatar or a Facebook avatar or a WhatsApp avatar. Like, I think people are in that zone. And as long as Apple actually like makes it easy to set, you know, with, an account section in messages, not like you have to dive into settings to do it or whatever. People yeah. will do it, I think. And yeah. I'm all it's... for it because I hate, I like having contact photos for everybody. Yeah. But even me, I like half my address, but it doesn't have pictures. Like, the other problem is that, uh, just like with iCloud contacts, that maybe it's that the rules are too strict for like what a picture has to be and like, you know, resolution and size and everything. Um, but I found that the only reliable way I can make the pictures go everywhere is to go to iCloud.com and use the contacts web app. And if, I, if I put it there and then I, you know, save it and then quit the mail app and reopen it, then, or quit the message app and reopen it, then, then it will appear reliably. But if I set it from the iPhone, which is like more common for me, then it may never reach any other device. Um, and I've done all like the, the shortcuts things where you like processes all your pictures, and, like make smaller versions and put them in a folder and all that. Um, and so it's just like the only way I can reliably make everything like the picture sync is using the iCloud website, which is, you know, then requires a, a computer for that. So, yeah, but, but I am very happy with the state of pictures I have right now because they're all captured from online, like manually myself. Like I just gone out and find the picture or I've taken the picture myself uh, with like a good camera. And it's like, it looks like, like my, to pull up my messages app, it looks like, like a demo on like apple.com because like all the heads are centered the right way and like it's perfectly aligned and like quality pictures and they're all modern and new so yeah yep. yeah mark uh, we should mention by the way mark uh, obviously corroborates all the dark mode stuff and mm-hmm. he adds in one little detail which is that you can toggle the dark mode or the light mode from a button in control center yeah yeah to be, so, to be fair to mark he he the ball for dark mode began in his court and then went to rambo and now it's back in his court so mm-hmm. yeah 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 and he does source nine Mac on a lot of this stuff. Like, yes, ooh, yeah, we love nice. we love Mark. Yep. Yeah, and so that's kind of cool because obviously on 
Mac OS, you know, people kind of set their appearance once and then don't change it because you have to go into system preferences, general, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Whereas if it's in control center, Apple's kind of, you know, suggesting that you're actually going to toggle it more frequently, even if they, for whatever reason, don't do like an automatic scheduling option. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, and the other thing he, he mentions here is the ability to block a sender in mail, <laughs> which it's, it sounds so basic, but you can totally see this being a slide and like as a feature or like maybe it's like on like the, the big cloud slide of like all the, all the words floating around. But, um, this is a problem I have where my iCloud account, which I, I use, uh, sparingly, like it's my personal email address. And so I, I don't like use it for random signups. You know, I use my work email for work stuff and my personal email for personal stuff. Um, and I unsubscribe to, to make mailing lists aggressively. Um, but I also, I often get spam and it's, from the same senders and so I'll mark it as spam and what i iCloud mail will do is on iOS it goes to the spam folder which you have to kind of like check and see like it doesn't alert you same thing on the Mac but like if you've got that folder in view then you see like the number 1 by the spam folder so like oh there's spam mail and and you kind of need to check your spam folder like maybe weekly at least to see like there's something it caught that shouldn't have um and so when i mark something as spam manually i want to never receive from that sender again like that's spam i'm on their list they they don't let you unsubscribe because it's spam um don't show me that and so what i have to do is go to icloud.com so that you can set up a server side rule that if you get a message from that receipt that that sender it you can do add rule mark uh mark is red and go to trash so you skip the whole spam aspect of it but at least it stays out of your inbox in your spam folder which is like you know, you do need to like flag and you know, check that. Um, this why why like, doesn't iOS Mail let you set up mail rules? By the way, uh, I don't know. But even if you for the Mac, then it only applies to the Mac. So it's like, yeah. it's, you know, you've got to use the web, and like you can't access that from iOS without you know other browsers than Safari. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. But this at least solves that problem of like, oh, this person, this spammer keeps mailing me. Don't send, don't receive mail from them. Like you know, if you see it, if you receive it, don't ever show me. So that it's. You know, not only does it like affect like if you if someone's harassing you, but then also the spam issue. I think it it, it fixes for me at least. So. Uh, and if- finally, Mark mentions a sleep mode mm. thing, which mm. is kind of like an amalgamation of various other toggles in the system. Like you can enable sleep mode, and it will darken the lock screen, enable do not disturb, mute alerts, uh, integrate with a bedtime alarm from clock probably, mm-hmm. and like. How many modes does Apple want? Like, <laughs> it's like a little bit of theater mode, right? Like, yeah, it really works. is kind of like theater mode. Yeah, yeah. which like... which when theater mode before it came out, uh, Sonny Dixon had the the rumor, <laughs> and he thought it was for the iPhone, but it was for the Apple Watch. You know, so you go to the movies and your watch doesn't light up and get alerts and and ding. Um, this has like a bit of like that, but it's also like the when you use the bedtime clock and you set an alarm, D and D can trigger. Like you can get in this mode where. You don't get your alerts. Your lock screen is darkened, and when you wake up in the morning, you get good morning and a weather report and like notifications, kind of like you know, uh, grouped together before you see like everything all at once. And yeah, they, they like, like show you good morning weather, and then yeah. you have to like dismiss it to see your notifications and start getting bothered. Right. So it sounds like step two of that, <laughs> like that kind of thing. That and maybe down the road, like integration with Apple Watch sleep tracking somehow. Yeah, because Mark had already reported that he believes that sleep tracking is is like the 2020 feature for next fall for that hardware, if if not the following year. So it could could be later than that. So um, 
but but I mean that's not obvious high end as like right now. Right now the the bedtime clock and the clock on the Apple Watch with uh, night sand mode like none none of it talks together and none of it like you can do sleep tracking with a bedtime clock like in the health app it'll it'll try and guess when you went to bed and like woke up based on the bedtime clock, um, which is separate from like the the regular alarm clocks and they've like the Apple Watch has its own ringtone for waking up in the morning. The alarm clocks have their own, and you can set them. And then bedtime has like its own, <laughs> so it's all very separate. So maybe this is like the beginning of it all coming together. Maybe. Yeah, Apple has so many clocks, so many different like modes that kind of turn off four other different modes in different <laughs> configurations. There's so many like subsets at the moment. It feels yeah. like just the mode, ultimate mode, clock mode. for me, though, alarm clock wise, is which I I wish was integrated. Like maybe it will be with this feature, but I, I doubt it. Um, is HomeKit related. So I, I have, you know, the obvious thing is your good morning scene. If you've got this sleep mode, your alarm clock, like right now it could work as your bedtime clock. You know, bedtime clock is like you set what time you want to be alerted to go to sleep based on like eight hours of sleep and what time you want the alarm clock to go off in the morning. So you've got like a, hey, buddy, go to bed if you're still awake. And then here's your good morning alarm. Um, e- even if it wasn't just like a basic alarm that you set, you know, Siri set the alarm for 6 a.m., um, the the alarm should be connected to uh, automations, at least good morning. But I've, I've got one that's just like lamps on and it turns all the lights on and, the, and all the lamps, not the ceiling lights on. And so if I've got like a flight to catch and I'm really worried about sleeping in and it's going to be like before sunrise, I will do the alarms, you know, on the watch, the phone, the home pod, whatever. Um, but then also in the home app, go to automation and like make like, you know, 4 a.m., lights on as like the ultimate alarm clock and i think that should be like tied to one of these clocks there's so many i don't know which one but um you know rather than saying good morning siri every morning to trigger that automation you know you can set the time manually and like change it but you know if it's always your alarm like that needs to be as easy as changing your alarm clock you know if if that's something yeah yeah mark doesn't mention this but like an icloud synced clock app would be Oh my goodness. So useful. Imagine that. And, uh, yeah. And Rambo's even said they're bringing the clock app to the Mac or they're, <laughs> or they're letting you timers yeah. with Siri on Mac OS 10.15. So that's okay. another place where it could all synchronize together. Mm-hmm. And you still have the current weirdness where the HomePod can do multiple timers, but none of the other devices can. Clock, so Clock would be a good uh, Marge Pen app. It's, it's a nice looking yeah. app on the iPad. Yeah. So if they can all mesh that all together, that would be very nice. Clock for Apple TV. It's so nice looking. Why not? All right, that's the Happy Hour Podcast for this week. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at ApolloZach and Benjamin, you're on Twitter at BZAMAO. And also follow 9to5Mac on Twitter and Instagram. If you have any feedback, you can email us at happyhour at 9to5Mac.com. And uh, we'll be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.